This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for January 26, 2014. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Last week we were talking about Andrew and how he had been a disciple of John the Baptist and had seen Jesus when he was baptized and had ended up following him when John had declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if you remember, they were kind of following him to see where he was going. And Jesus turns around and said, What do you want? And, and they said, Well, where, where are you staying? And Jesus says, Come and see. And it says that they stayed with him that evening. Well, this comes after that. Jesus goes on home to Nazareth, where he's from. Um, Andrew, Peter go back to um, uh, Capernaum, where they live. And time goes on. And if you remember, Jesus preaches in the synagogue and got himself in all kinds of trouble. And they took him to the top of the high cliff and tried to throw him over the top of the cliff, but he escaped in between them. I can honestly say I've never preached anything that got people that excited. Um, <laughs> probably gladly so. Um, and so Jesus leaves town. I'd leave town too. And he goes uh, wandering to the east. And where would he go? Well, he goes to Capernaum because he knows somebody that lives there. And when he gets there, he, he goes and looks up uh, Peter and Andrew. Now, Peter and Andrew run a fishing business together. Uh, Peter lives with his mother-in-law and his wife. And uh, they have a nice home there, and they run this little fishing business. And uh, they work oftentimes with two of the other guys in the, in the town who have a fishing business with their dad, uh, James and John, who are the sons of Zebedee. And, and they're all fishing. And it says that Jesus saw Peter and Andrew, and he says, Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. It says immediately they left their nets and their boats, and they followed him. And then... They go, and he does the same for James and John. And again, it says, immediately they left their boats and their nets and their father, and they went and followed him. So the theme for last week was come and see, but the theme for this week is come and follow, because there's a, there's a difference. There are a lot of people who want to see. You know, there are a lot of people who like to watch. There are a lot of people who are fans, you know, something, but that doesn't really make them followers. Following is more expensive. It's more costly. It's much harder. You know, to be a fan, you know, what, you, what do fans do? Well, if you're a fan of baseball, you keep track of your favorite team. You follow all the statistics. You can quote batting averages and earn run averages and all those sorts of things. You know, people who follow the Buckeyes, you know, cheer their team on, you know, and they know the players and even remember them afterwards. You know, but they're fans. You know, they don't really um, follow them. Exactly. They don't get out on the field and help or anything. They just follow them. But Jesus says that's not really enough. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. And following is a much more costly endeavor because following means that you're going to have to make sacrifices. Think of Peter and Andrew. They had a business. They just left their business, you know, boarded up place. And left. And while you may think it might not have been too hard, but, I, you know, Peter lived with his mother-in-law. What do you think she had to say about that? I bet she wasn't happy about it at all. She probably telling her daughter, I told you he was no good. He was a bum. He'd never amount to anything. You know, now he's off following some itinerant kook out there. 
And then you have James and, and John um, who are in a business with their dad. And they up and leave, leave their dad stranded in the business by himself. I'm sure he was happy about it. You know, I'm sure he didn't mind fishing all by himself all the time. You know, to follow Jesus is not an easy thing to do. And in today's world, there are a lot of people who want to be fans of Jesus. But I wonder, are there very many people who want to be followers of Jesus? You know, we like to know about Jesus. We like to cheer him on, you know, we're on Jesus' side. like to get the little bumper stickers and the things you put on the back of your cars and all those sorts of things. Some people are really fanatical about it. You know, they're big fans. They even go so far as to memorize scripture verses and, you know, know all the ins and outs of church customs and do all sorts of things like that. But are they really willing to sacrifice everything to follow him? Because that's what it takes to follow Jesus. You have to be all in. You can't sort of follow Jesus. You know, you can't follow Jesus later. Remember what he said to the rich young man who, who he said, come and follow me. And he said, well, let me bury my father first. Leave the dead to bury the dead. Or, you know, remember what happened to the rich young ruler who he said, first, you must give away everything you had. And the guy couldn't do it. So he couldn't follow him. You know, over and over again in scripture, we see how hard it is to make the sacrifices to follow this Jesus that is there because he is going to ask things of you. He may not ask you to close up your business and you know wander off somewhere, although he does that with some people. That happens too. Sometimes he calls people to be uh, clergy and they end up giving up whatever profession they were in and going off and starting all over again. Sometimes he calls people to be missionaries and they go off to other countries and live for a while. Now, he didn't call everybody to do that, just like he didn't call everyone in Israel to do it. But he calls everyone who would follow him to give up something. And usually it's something that is dear, something that's going to be hard, something that we would love more than the Lord himself. Because until we are willing to make the sacrifice of those things that we hold most dear to him, we can't truly live into the reality that he's made for us. We'll surround ourselves with all the illusions that we prop ourselves up with to make ourselves feel better about it. And we'll attempt to, to give all the outward and visible signs of being his disciples, his followers. But we'll see very little fruit come of that because we won't be willing to do it. it it's not just us, by the way. It happened in, even in the early church. You saw in the church in Corinth where Paul's writing, he's already got a problem. It says, it has been reported to me by Chloe. I'm sure that Chloe was happy that she, he mentioned her name in the letter. Because um, I'm sure everybody in the place was real happy with Chloe at that point. But it has been reported to me by Chloe that some of you are divided against one another. Some of you say, well, no, I follow Paul, and some say Stephanus. Some people believe Stephanus was actually the one who started the church in Corinth. Some people think he came later. But some people, you know, divide up into different groups, saying, I don't believe that. I, I believe this. This is what he said. And then he goes on to say, but, but were you baptized into Paul or into Stephanus? Now, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it shows it, it's... It's not at all churchy. It's not at all polished. Paul goes on and says, you know, well, I never baptized anyone. Well, except for these two people. Well, then, I, yeah, I did baptize the, the household of Stephanus, but 
Well, beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anybody or not. <laughs> and he goes, but that's not the point. The point is I didn't come to baptize, but to proclaim. To proclaim the good news of what God has done in Christ. And all of us are called to do that same proclamation. We're not all called to be priests. We're not all called to be missionaries. But we are all called to proclaim the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's going to be costly. We're living in a world now where it's becoming more and more costly. All you have to do in some workplaces is mention the word God and people start freaking out. You know, I don't know what they think is going to happen. I mean, it's been mentioned in workplaces for a long time, but for some reason or other, they really think this. I remember reading in the news that there was some little girl who um, wrote that her favorite hero was Jesus, and the teacher told her she couldn't write that, and she had to write another paper <laughs> because she couldn't have Jesus as a hero because you can't mix religion and school. And I thought to myself, somebody needs to talk to the teacher. I mean, there is no rule about that anywhere. She just is so obsessed by this. And to some extent, I can't blame people who are obsessed by it because to some extent, the church hasn't been very good about proclaiming good news. All too often, we're very good at proclaiming bad news. You know, most people don't go to church. If you ask them why, they say, well, I'm not interested in that. You know, or I'm not interested in all those rules and regulations. They all argue with each other all the time. And to some extent, they're right. It's much easier to find out what people are against in the church than it is to find out what they're for. And that's sad, isn't it? Because God was for everyone, even sinners. Imagine that. But sometimes I don't know if most people think the church is for sinners. You know, sometimes we become so pompous in our belief that we begin to put on this air of that we're for the righteous. But that's not true. If we look at ourselves, we know that's not true. But it does happen, particularly if you watch television. Anybody here ever watch TV evangelists? Oh, you should watch them some. That's great entertainment. Um, they're a little scary. <laughs> I, mean, I tell you. Uh, my son, John, whenever I have it on, sometimes on Sunday afternoon, I turn on, he goes, if that guy's so happy about Jesus, why is he screaming? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it is interesting. One of my favorite lines in all the movies, remember the movie, Oh God, had George Burns as God and John Denver played a, a sales clerk in it, sales manager. One of the best lines in the whole thing is there's a TV evangelist on there. And, and one of the tasks that God gives John Denver to go do is go and tell him to stop using my name in vain and go sell shoes. <laughs> That's a great line. And sometimes I think, For the world, we're not really proclaiming good news to them. We're proclaiming, you know, the bad news to them. And when I was in seminary, I took a course in homiletics. It means preaching. And one of the things I remember that stuck out that the professor told us was that it is easy to preach judgment. Anybody can preach judgment because everybody feels guilty about something. You know, unless you're a sociopath, in which case... Then you had to preach to him anyway. But he said, everybody feels guilty about something. So judgment is easy. It's grace that's hard. How do you overcome the guilt? How do you overcome the judgment? That's what's hard. 
But that was what Jesus came to say, follow me. Do you think that Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fish for people? And what he meant was go in and tell them what wretched sinners they are? You know, can you imagine Peter standing in the middle of a town, you know, Magdala or something going, repent, the kingdom of God's hand, you're going to hell. (laughs) If you don't turn and follow Jesus, you're going to hell. I mean, that wouldn't have gotten very far, would it? Except for the fact they had a bullhorn, which probably would have made them popular. But, but that kind of good news is not good news at all. When do we begin to tell people about the God of love? About the God who has forgiven us of very real sins. Not generic sins, by the way. You know, the ones that we're all forgiven of. But real things that we've done. Real things that we've left undone. Those things that we don't want our mother to know about. You know, when are we willing to tell people that we believe in that kind of God? We believe in a God God of second chances. We believe in a God who takes broken people and mends them and makes them whole. Because that's the God who Jesus is. But to do that, it's going to be costly. You can't do it and live, you know, life as usual. Because it's going to require you to constantly be looking at where he's going and doing what he's doing. You can't follow Jesus from the sidelines. You have to follow him right behind him. And you have to help him seek the lost. The people who can't find their way in a broken world. Who are the people in your broken world? Who are the people you know who can't seem to find the answers to life? who seem hopeless and don't know where to turn. You know, and, and it may not be a big hopeless, like in their entire life is hopeless. It may just be in one little area of their life. But somehow or other, they just can't ever quite get past that. And are you willing to introduce them to the Lord of life himself and say, you know, Jesus loves you even now while you're still in your sin, just like he loves me even now while I'm still in mine. He didn't leave us there. We will follow him. You know, if you want to fish, what do you have to do? You have to have bait. Yes, your net. Does it do any good to fish, you know, for, um, oh, let's say bass with um, tennis shoes? Why not? What? That's not what they're, they don't like tennis shoes? That's funny. Does it do any good to fish for bass with, um, I don't know. What else would it be? With a balloon. Probably not. It wouldn't go under the water. See, if you're going to fish for something, you've got to figure out what it wants, don't you? Otherwise, it ain't going to eat it. And secondly, you have to go where the fish are. That's another thing. You know, Christians these days are great. We build nice churches, and we say, well, they know where we are. You imagine fishing like that? That would be, well, the fish know where I am. If they wanted to get caught, they would show up. (laughs) That would be interesting, wouldn't it? But all too often, that's what we do. We don't seem to think we have to go looking for them. You know, what happens if you go to a fishing spot and you're fishing there for a few hours and no no nibbles, nothing? Now you move. The other thing about it is, is that you have to keep the water smooth, don't you? You know, what happens if a speedboat comes by where you're fishing? You know, fish don't like speedboats. They'll leave. So, you, you know, 
We have to be careful about that. I think too many Christians are driving their speedboats in the middle of the fishing pond. And we're scaring them all away. They don't want to be part of the church because the church doesn't look like anything that would want them. So how do we fish? Well, we find out what their brokenness is and we go and tell them about a God who is capable of healing it. About a God who loves them so much that he would die on a cross for them. Even though they are doing those things. A God who wants better for them. A God who made them in their mother's womb knew why they existed, planned for them to be here, and has a plan and meaning for their life. If we can help introduce them to that God, then maybe they can change. But the truth is, is that if we're all going to go to really nice places and look really holy, holy, and be goody-goody, and, you know, you know, everybody has sins, I just don't have any particular ones, and all that, then what's the use? Why do it? We're just fair-weather fans sitting on the sidelines. And ultimately, we'll see what's happening in the church continue to happen, which it will continue to decline more and more and more. One of the interesting things about Pope Francis to me, this guy has caused a major stir internationally in a very short time. Do you notice that? Everybody knows who Pope Francis is. It's amazing. He's only done one thing that is particularly unusual. He said... I believe that we should seek out the poor and the lost first. And that created this big stir. He said, I believe we should reach out to people who are of homosexual orientation because God loves them too. People are going, oh my goodness, the church is, you know, what are they doing? Well, God didn't love those people. He's changed no doctrines of the church, changes no moral teachings of the church. He just reminded us that God loves everybody. He even loves the sinners that we don't like. Imagine that. You know, God loves us all. And he wants all of us to come home, to be knit together, to be what he created us to be. The real question for you and me is, are we going to sit on the sidelines and cheer them on and just be fans? Or are we going to, you know, put down our nets and follow him? Are we willing to go fishing? Amen. You have just been listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.